Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West, you are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news the network refused to use. No doubt starts now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for November the 5th. In the year of our Lord, 2022, this is our one of two. And our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property, and to promote God, family, and country on your radio in the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen, we use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law of the land, the Constitution for the United States of America as our guide. And absolutely, we're convinced the checks and balances brilliantly put in place by the Founding Fathers, one of the great peaceful restorative solutions we have at our fingertips. As you know, we reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth using the checks and balances that our Founding Fathers fought so hard to preserve and to create, if you will. Welcome to the broadcast, ladies and gentlemen. It is all about God, family, and country. We testify Jesus Christ rose from the dead. He lives. The great resurrection shall indeed save us all if we are willing. Welcome to the broadcast. And most importantly, we follow the Savior, Jesus Christ. We keep his commandments. And because he is the author of liberty, we receive blessings. Welcome to the broadcast. No government focused on rejecting man's ways and turning to God, the author of our liberty. That is critical to understand. Chris Carlson with me both hours, well-known co-host. Welcome to the broadcast, sir. Yes, sir. Without God, we cannot win, Sam. With God, we cannot lose. The battle for freedom is the Lord's, but we need to be engaged in the fight. Lieutenant Carlson reporting for duty, sir. Amen. Welcome to the broadcast, my dear friend. And there's so much going on. Uh, Before we introduce our guest this hour, I've got to recap a few points from yesterday's great broadcast. And I want to get uh, some of your take on them, Chris. We had uh, Scott Bradley on with us, and we talked about Mike Lindell was denied access to his own search warrant affidavit uh, in the FBI phone seizure. So you remember he was at Hardee's. They came and just literally stole his cell phone. They surrounded him and took it. He went, what the heck is going on? Now they're saying you can't even face your accuser. You can't even know what's in the warrant or the allegations against you. I mean, this is a due process violation out of control, Chris. Yeah, it's hard for me to determine who is part of the scam and who is not. Um, so I'm going to hold out judgment at this point, but that's definitely a violation of, if not the spirit of the Constitution. I don't know if it's a violation of the, the I mean, obviously, we should have a search warrant presented to us before somebody enters um, our, our homes or into our vehicles. So, yeah, I, I think that, that that's a violation. That's a clear violation of, if not the letter, the spirit of the Constitution, Sam. And whether he's part of the act or not, I, I cannot make that determination. But we are being conditioned. One thing that, that, that's a result of this, we're being conditioned to uh, abrogating our constitutional rights. When we see all these examples and they're presented to us on the news as being uh, a normal part of the law enforcement process. So that, Amen that to that, ladies troubling. and gentlemen. Speedy trial, due process of law, the proper rule of law and order. That is 
uh, what we aim for. And the proper government. See, the problem is, as far as I understand, the FBI grabbed his cell phone, too. And unless he's committed a very few number of crimes, treason's one of them, um, counterfeiting is another one. I mean, there's very few crimes that would be federal-esque in nature in the first place. And that is part of the problem when it comes to the dual sovereignty of the general government with very limited powers in the states with very broad uh, authority, constitutionally speaking, uh, and more, not to mention the vertical and horizontal checks and balances on power. Also, we talked about regards to land. Uh, by Karl Marx's definition of land, Utah's currently nearly 80-plus percent communist. The problem is not too many people, but way too little land. Uh, and there's way too much government, folks. We've got land. The problem is not way too little land. The problem is not too many people. It's just too much government. Uh, so we said vote no on Propositions Cash Valley. And Dr. Scott Bradley broke down a very uh, important document and video related to this. Scott Bradley video reviews the Cash County land grab proposition one. Please review it. It's 25 minutes. Spread it far and wide. Uh, it's on BitChute if you want to watch that. Look for Freedom's Call. The theory of the communists may be summed up in a single sentence. That is abolition of private property. Socialism, government ownership, uh, which is control of the means uh, of production. Land is the fundamental component of either production or distribution. All that being violated by government in this case, folks. Mm-hmm. Out of their proper role and function. Last point, New York columnist David Wall. Or Davis Wallace Wells wrote an article admitting that apocalyptic predictions of climate change disasters were way, way, way overstated. And now even the New York Times is having to back away from that big time. Anyway, then we had on second hour Dr. Alfonso Monzo. And he's a naturopathic, naturopathic physician. Uh, and his uh, website is well-beingbydesign.com. And we talked to him about the body's... Uh, virtual operating system that's really um, registered below the scientific realm because you can't really see it, but it exists. Uh, and he mapped out the body and all the uh, points on the body related to this uh, operating system or communication system of the body. He'll be speaking in Salt Lake City at the Red Pill Expo, November 12th and 13th, theredpillexpo.com, to get your tickets immediately. And if you can't be there in person, they've got virtual tickets so you can watch online as well. Check that all out. But he has specialized in the field of biophysics, and he has studied for the last 21 years and actively practiced for the last 16 years about this. He's the founder of what's called uh, the Leftac Body System, and then he restored, uh, he created health restoration technologies. It eventually became a ministry, and he's helping people reset their body from COVID uh, and from the manipulation uh, of this operating system. Uh, that he talks about God created the operating system, but now man is trying to tamper with it and trying to play God and manipulate it and gene splice, etc., cetera, uh, to create subhumans, some would call it, transhumans, others would call it, uh, two classes of people, a dumbed down, do what you're told group, and then an elite group that could live forever. I know this sounds like psycho babble, but you know what? The, the elites have been working on this through the eugenics movement since the 1940s. Anyway, Dr. Monzo talked about that in great detail, and if you want to learn more uh, and get caught up on what he's doing, theredpillexpo.com. Without further ado, we go to our new, our next guest, Mark 
Mark Her, I think is how you say it. Welcome to the broadcast, Mark. Is that how you say it, Her? Yeah, Mark Her. Yeah, thanks for having me. Excellent. I want to make sure I have that right, ladies and gentlemen. Mark is the president and the co-founder of a group called the Center for Self-Governance. Imagine that. A nonprofit, nonpartisan political education and leadership organization. Uh, and Mark is an author. He's a film producer. He's a policy writer, a political strategist, and instructor. Um, he's retired from the Air Force. Uh, he lives with his wife, Pam, and children. And welcome to the broadcast, sir. Uh, and you're going to speak at Red Pill also, aren't you, Mark? I, I am. I'm super excited about that. Coming up here uh, in a week or two in Salt Lake City, it's going to be great to come back to the great state of Utah. All right. Catch us up on you because they say that your your political uh, innovations are like futuristic. They're 21st century stuff. <laughs> Groundbreaking, cutting yeah. edge is the way some are describing it. How on earth did you get on that trajectory, sir? Well, you know, um, I back in 2009 under the Obama administration, uh, a lot of folks were concerned about the direction of the country as they are here in 2022. Um, I showed up to my first political meeting and, and people started bringing up all their issues from immigration, gun control, environment, education, you name it, right? Um, and as I was listening to everybody for my very first political meeting, I noticed that uh, um, uh, people weren't actually driving solutions with actions. They were talking about symptoms and, and, and endless conversations about the symptoms. So I asked a simple question uh, that at least I thought it was simple. What's the problem? Right. And uh, <laughs> it, it turned into a very divisive conversation because everybody thought that their symptom was the problem. And I'm a mechanic by trade, uh, a retired Air Force mechanic for military aircraft, and I was trained in troubleshooting systems. And so I asked the second question, what's the system? I got 500 different answers. Uh, we've got a democratic republic, constitutional republic. We've got a democracy. It's like endless. I'm like – and I'm telling you guys, I, you know, you can't fix a system or you can't fix a problem if you don't know what the system is. So that's been my research. That's what I've been doing for 13 years now is – studying our system and troubleshooting the symptoms so I can identify the problem and come up with strategies. And that's why uh, uh, folks that go through our training program at Center for Self-Governance.com, uh, they are um, learning how to troubleshoot the system so they can fix the problem. All right, I want to talk about uh, systems for a second because yesterday we were talking about the low-level operating system of the body. And the supreme yeah. law of our land combined with the Declaration of Independence, are the underlying systems of the United States. The Declaration of Independence, in fundamental um, summary, says, you know what? We, the people, have been given authority to self-govern by God Almighty. And that authority cannot be taken. We can lose it by violating fundamental principles, but it can't be taken from us because it was given to us by God, and God can protect us. He is the author of our liberty. And so in the Declaration of Independence, it basically says, hey, government, derives its power from the consent of the governed. That's us. And so we, by yeah. contract, delegated authority to government officials on the general level, divided into three separate distinct branches designed to check and balance one another, protecting us from someone taking too much power. And then we created dual sovereigns, the general government with limited authority and the states with broader authority. 
and divided them. So we've got checks and balances there. And then on the local level, you got the three branches as well. When we come back, we're going to talk about this fundamental system of government and then how it applies today with Mark in seconds okay, on your radio. Okay, girls, about finished with your lesson on money. Daddy, what is a buy-sell spread for gold coins? Well, when you sell a gold coin to a coin shop that's worth, say, $1,200, you don't actually get $1,200. But don't worry, we're members of UPMA now, so we don't have to worry about that. Daddy, what if somebody steals our gold? We don't have any gold at the house. It's stored safely in the UPMA vault, securely and insured. But the S&P 500 outperformed gold. Daddy, gold is a bad investment. Some people do think of it that way, but actually, gold is money. And as members of the United Precious Metals Association, we can use our gold at any store, just like a credit card. Or I can ask them to drop it right into Mommy and Daddy's bank account, because we're a UPMA member family. Find out more at upma.org. That's upma.org. Have you ever heard of Loving Liberty Ladies? Well, the Loving Liberty Ladies are here to help you learn our American heritage and the way it affects today's society. The Loving Liberty Ladies also have a discussion guide called Proclaim Liberty. And with this guide, you can start your own group in your hometown. Get yours today on our website at lovingliberty.net. Look for our lesson supplements, too. They're free. To hear all the special offers and to join the fight for freedom and liberty, please go to lovingliberty.net. The spirit of the American West is alive and well in Range Magazine, the award-winning quarterly devoted to the issues of the American West. Each issue contains informative articles, breathtaking imagery, as well as the culture of cowboy spirit today, and gift ideas like this year's Buckaroo calendar. Order online from rangemagazine.com. Loving Liberty Network salutes the spirit of the American West at rangemagazine.com. Ladies and gentlemen, the website to learn more about our discussion today, centerforselfgovernance.com. We're talking to one of the speakers who will be speaking uh, this coming up weekend, a week from the day, basically, uh, November 12th and 13th at the Red Pill Expo. The RedPillExpo.com will be happening in Salt Lake City, Utah this time. And our guest is Mark Herr. He's the president and the co-founder of the Center for Self-Governance, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, it's a nonprofit, nonpartisan, political education and leadership organization, folks. Uh, and I was talking about right before the break, we talked about operating systems of the body yesterday. Now we're talking about operating systems of the proper role of limited government. It starts with the Declaration of Independence. Look, they derived their just power from us. And then we divided power vertically and horizontally to protect ourselves from them. It's a unique form of government that doesn't look to man but looks to God for solutions and recognizes God as the author or a greater source than government. In other words, a greater source than the people or the, those whom they elect uh, for authority and understanding. It's a sovereign discussion ladies and gentlemen but mark i think that's the fundamental operating system if you don't understand those fundamental principles you can never plug them into our system and make it work that's exactly right um next week when i give my talk <laughs> the title uh, at the red pill is called the the hidden man who changed our world uh the, the declaration the constitution uh, we're referring to uh, back in the 19th century <clears throat> designed 
technically called a layer cake, just to simplify things. Uh, the layer cake separates the federal and it separates the powers within those uh, from the state and separates the powers within the federal and the state. The the modern day term that's given in public schools is called layer cake. And after the Civil War, uh, the, a process, a group of people, uh, we call them regressives, uh, began to work to uh, modify our layer cake system of government and convert it into a marble cake system of government. The creator of that marble cake system, uh, I'm going to introduce and unveil at the Red Pill uh, next week in Salt Lake City at redpillexpo.com. Uh, uh, get your tickets, come check it out. There's going to be all kinds of great speakers, right? Um, this hidden man who changed our world, Sam, he um, did not believe in that, uh, as you called it, the dual sovereignty system. Um, the technical term for that is called dual federalism. And this hidden man who changed our world believed that that system was antiquated. <clears throat> it was designed for the 19th century, not the 21st century. And so he was commissioned by uh, several different presidents who consulted him on making those modifications in the early 1900s uh, during the regressive era. Um, and uh, began implementing several different policies uh, through the federal government to begin uh, trickling it down to through our states into our county cities and, and local school governments. As you can see in Utah, right, through the Utah School Board Association, for example, and their connection to the National School Board Association, just as a practical example of this conversion in 2022, um, the National School Board Association coordinates with the president, the attorney general, the FBI, the Department of Homeland Security, <clears throat> the president of the NBA, NSBA coming from, from your state there in Utah, coordinating with your Utah School Board Association to drive these marble cake policies down to the local school districts in the state of Utah, even though – uh, Title 80 of the Utah state law says that parents have the primary control and that the state's role is both secondary and supportive to the parent's primary role. That law is not being enforced in your state because the hidden man who changed your world, he used, he created different types of infrastructure. And that's why learning the operating system is so important for your listeners, Sam, super critical that they learn the system and not just talk about the system. They've got to learn the system and understand the hidden man who changed your world in Utah. He created infrastructure to bypass all of our talk and go directly into the system itself and cause your school board members to cite and trespass great Utahns like Michael Brown, uh, who, who simply was trying to represent his sons uh, on, on behalf of his family regarding their education there in Utah. But he's cited, trespassed, arrested, and then he's dragged out of Senate hearings for wearing a you know sticker on his hat, uh, all in representing his, his, his family. But the Utah law is very clear, Sam, about uh, parents having the primary control and that the state's uh, role, both in policy, is secondary and supportive. However, he's being treated like a domestic terrorist because the hidden man who changed your world in Utah created and, and, and implemented strategies back in the 1920s, 30s, and 40s, implemented and got those injected into the framework of our dual sovereignty system, our layer cake system, so that he could 
implement uh, changes to our system and convert it to marble cake. Um, some of the things I'm going to talk about, Sam, at, at next week at, in Salt Lake Let, uh, regarding that the hidden... just a second. So a couple sure. of things yeah. to note, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we've got the United States, which recognizes the people as sovereigns under Almighty God, as opposed to government, man-made, control, do what you want as a king. And the classes stratosphere of people, the stratus system, was rejected by the founding fathers, realizing that we're all God's children. Now, the problem in America, uh, and this is where the kind of rubber meets the road a little bit, is, you know what, the 10th plank of the Communist Manifesto is compulsory education for all. So when you embrace the 10th plank of the Communist Manifesto, it goes directly um, 180 from what we uh, understood, believed in, and our laws support. And therefore, those who are in the middle and don't understand the proper role of limited constitutional government, they're in trouble because they don't know which way to go and what to do. And therefore, our dear friend Michael Brown uh, literally got caught in the crossfire of this epic battle between um, the proper role of limited government and communist manifesto principles that are driving a wedge uh, in the United States. People picking sides and being divided. Eventually, if they allow that to occur, they will be conquered. Chris Carlson uh, is also with us. He's a co-host uh, for today. Mark, Chris, do you want to chime in at this point? No. Well, yeah, Mark, I'm confused. I was told that the uh, federal government created the several states. Isn't that what happened uh, after yeah. the Revolutionary <laughs> War? <laughs> <laughs> isn't, isn't, right. the, isn't the creator <laughs> okay oh wait 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 maybe it's the other way around okay yeah yeah tails yeah, yeah. Dogs. We're, we're sam and i <laughs> anyway sam and i we're all about self-governance in fact we both sent our children to a school where they emphasize the importance of self-governance they even created a score a self-governance score so we're very familiar with the concept unfortunately the people that represent us in washington and at the state level, for that matter, and at the local level, in most cases, do not. So continue, Mark. I'm, we're on board with you all the way on this. Well, I, it's interesting that uh, you both brought up education. The, the hidden man who changed our world, this is what I'm going to talk about at the Red Pill Expo next week in Salt Lake City. Um, he uh, was assigned to or invited to be a part of the Committee of Social Studies in the 1930s. I was commissioned by the American Historical Association, financed by the Carnegie Foundation. You can find this information on a talk given by G. Edward Griffin, the founder of Red Pill Expo. Um, It's called The Chasm. And the the chasm, he talks about um, the education. He he talks about education in relationship to, to fundamentally changing um, the United States education system. Um, his work, it's called the, I'm not going to say who the hidden man is, but it's a civic education in the United States. <clears throat> he he um, uh, argued that we needed to change the education system in order to uh, change the next generation's view of our layer cake system that we're talking about on the radio show. Um, and so <clears throat> that's one of the, that's one of the things that he um, contributed to changing the United States was 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 converting our education system uh, from uh, teaching kids uh, self governance and our layer cake system to to teaching them about marble cake. Literally, guys, in the public school systems, in the public school systems, they literally tell teach kids. Literally, I'm not I'm not making this up. That layer cake is 19th century system. 
and they teach that the marble cake is a 21st century system. And that, in other words, they're teaching our kids that layer cake is old, that these conversations we're having are old conversations about dual sovereignty, et cetera. And they're teaching public school kids that marble cake is new and that they shouldn't they shouldn't be interested in in old systems like the layer cake system. The hidden man who changed our world created that process. He is the architect of of changing our education system with the Committee of Social Studies in the 1930s, uh, 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 sponsored by the American Historical Association. Um, but he did so much more than that. I mean, this this guy is the architect of the uh, baking of marble cake. And, 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 and getting rid of our layer cake system. So I'd love to, can't wait to talk to, more, to people more about it and unveil the hidden man who changed our world. Mark Kerr with us, ladies and gentlemen. Centerforselfgovernance.com. Chris Carlson, Mark Kerr, and yours truly back in seconds on your radio. Pursuing liberty, using the Constitution as our guide. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News. Tornadoes ripped through parts of Texas on Friday, flattening homes and toppling trees, with local officials in one county reporting at least two dozen people injured. Churches have opened their doors to serve as shelters for those whose homes were impacted. The National Weather Service has issued multiple tornado warnings stretching from the Dallas-Fort Worth area into neighboring Oklahoma. Tim Berg has the latest on this election cycle being very pricey. This election cycle could be the most expensive ever. Analysis from the nonpartisan watchdog group Open Secrets estimates the 2022 elections are expected to cost more than $16.7 billion. That includes spending in both federal and state races. As far as what's driving people to the polls, Roy Nielsen tells CBS News it's all about the economy for him. The last two years have been a disaster uh, in so many ways, and we know that. I mean, disaster from the economy, from my 401K. From the USA Radio News Phoenix Bureau, I'm Tim Berg. A monumental day. NASA's mega rocket is once again slated for launch, this time on Monday, November 14th. Twice previously, the massive ship was on the docket for takeoff, and both times it was sidelined by a fuel leak. The Veterans Affairs Department announced three grants to help veterans who are homeless or at risk of losing their homes. The grants are for the federal budget year that starts October 1, 2023. The Supportive Service for Veteran Families program provides services to quickly rehouse veterans and their families who are homeless. This is USA Radio News. You know, if you feel like you're stuck with a health care plan that isn't affordable or you simply just don't like how it works, well, right now, during open enrollment, is a perfect time to switch to MediShare. The typical family saves $500 a month when they join MediShare. And what's more, they like it. MediShare has double the customer satisfaction rate compared to the industry. That's double. And MediShare is the most trusted name in healthcare sharing. It's been around for 30 years. It's shared more than $4 billion in healthcare bills. And here's why now is the perfect time to make the switch. If you join MediShare Complete by January 1st, 
They will waive your new member fees and you'll save an additional 10% off your first year. That's right. No fee to join, 10% off every month for all of next year. But again, it's a limited time offer. So yeah, you're not stuck. You've got a great option. Call now. 833-34-BIBLE. That's 833-34-BIBLE. 833-34-BIBLE. Ladies and gentlemen, life is too short to keep spinning your wheels. Are you losing hope in our political system? Are you tired of not being heard? Are you new to the political process and simply don't know where to start? With CSP or CSG political training, you and your community can be empowered with political knowledge and leadership skills. Listen, to fix our political system, it's time to learn and then to take action. Mark her with us, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, he's going to be giving a speech at Red Pill next week, theredpillexpo.com. If you want to attend in Salt Lake City, the speech is called the hidden man who changed your world, folks. Mark's an author, film producer, a policy writer, political strategist. Um, you know what? 21st century stuff, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I want to say this. The training is available at Mark's website. And you can meet him and hear his speech if you go to the Red Pill. But the website for Mark is centerforselfgovernance.com. Com. That's centerforselfgovernance.com. Uh, right before the break, we were talking about this hidden man that's changing our world. You know, a lot of people work for this guy. Some knowingly, most unknowingly, Mark. <laughs> yes. Well, <clears throat> uh, the, the, the hidden man who, who changed uh, your world, our world, um, not only not only focused on education back in the 1930s um, on as a member of the Committee of Social Studies on behalf of the American Historical Association, um, he also was commissioned by Franklin Delano Roosevelt to inject a new form of government into the framework of the American nation. Literally, in a, a federal document, he he states this hidden man who changed your world. He states, um, the fact that state boundaries are firmly embedded in the Constitution has led to a search for injecting regional governments into the framework of the American nation. And then he goes on to say, it's in this direction that we find solutions for the problems that arise out of the division of constitutional powers. I mean, that's everything you were talking about, Sam, in your introduction about dual sovereignty and the separate checks and balances, all created in the 19th century in the Constitution. Uh, through the ideas espoused in the Declaration. And so the hidden man did not believe in that dual sovereignty, checks and balances system that you're referring to. And so he was commissioned by Franklin Delano Roosevelt to come up with a new form of government, and that new form of government is called regional government. That's why your school districts in the state of Utah have what are called education service districts or regional service agencies. Uh, eventually, this kind of intention of slowly – through attrition, leaking the control of your school board members, <clears throat> transferring it to these unelected bureaucrats uh, that will work directly for an appointed superintendent of public instruction working directly underneath Governor Cox. Now, that's a mouthful, <clears throat> but the hidden man who changed your world, he wrote the documents called Regional Factors in National Planning in 1935 uh, to make this structural 
systematic change to the American form of government. Uh, That's just one other thing he's done structurally, regional government. Now, how he accomplishes this, um, you you can't just change the system. You've got to get people to cooperate, Um, and that's the name of his efforts called cooperative federalism. You've got to get public officials and school boards, city councils, and county commissions across the state of Utah to cooperate uh, with this effort. So they use the association movement, the Utah School Board Association, National School Board Association, uh, the American Superintendents Association, National Education Association, to make employees, appointees, and elected officials in Utah government from school to state cooperative, marble cake receptive, layer cake resistant. I'm going to say that again. The associations are used to make your employees in government, the appointees and elected officials in government, receptive to marble cake, this kind of mixing of regional government into our framework, and layer cake resistant, resisting dual sovereignty, resisting the checks and balances. And and the third way that they do this, the hidden man who changed your world created these regional governments. He created the uh, using the associations to groom. I call it I call it the grooming factory um, to make them marble cake receptive, layer cake resistant. The third thing they do is he created on the Brownlow Commission in 1937. He was assigned to the Brownlow Commission in 1937 <clears throat> to identify how you could transfer legislative authority and make it easier for the executive branch, like under Governor Cox or the superintendent of your schools or the city managers in your cities, to be able to uh, control the legislative agenda while reducing the control or influence of parents and school boards, uh, city residents and cities. Are you there, Mark? Oh, I think we lost Mark. We'll get Mark right back. Uh, Chris, we're talking about the hidden man who changed your world, a speech that's going to be given by Mark Kerr coming up at the Red Pill Expo next weekend in Salt Lake City. Mark's website is centerforselfgovernance.com, and he provides what's called CSG leadership training that's groundbreaking and well-known. He also is involved in what's called Marble Cake Media. Uh, he, he does a lot of different stuff uh, that's amazing. Sorry we lost you, Mark. Go ahead, sir. No worries. Um, so the, the hidden man who changed our world implemented regional government. He used the association movement to groom our governing to be marble cake receptive, layer cake resistant. And the third thing is, is he created this what's called administrative management, transferring legislative power away from the people's representatives into the bureaucrats' hands. And that's why you see superintendents and city managers exercising more control over your legislative bodies that you've elected than you have influence over. The hidden man who changed our world uh, was extremely influential in designing these three strategic changes to our system of government to convert it from layer cake, dual sovereignty, checks and balances, declaration constitution, to this new marble cake structure, regional government, administrative management, and cooperative federalism. And I'll be introducing who he is in more detail at the Red Pill Expo next week in Salt Lake City. 
All right, I want to talk a little bit more about some of the things that you're involved in, Mark, because I think uh, some of the things you're doing are just amazing. Uh, folks, you got to understand, Mark, this guy is just prolific in his educational solutions and opportunities, etc. Mark is also co-author of the book, Speaking the Language of Liberty. Uh, and then he's also involved in the film. He's the producer of the film, the Doku series, Governed, Governed versus Governing, and developer yes. of CSG's Structure of Government Study Program and Leadership Training. So, Mark, you're involved in so many things. Let's talk a, a little bit about the book for a minute because it kind of backs up your speech yeah. to a great degree, right? Well, yeah, loving loving liberty. I, I love I love that. We <clears throat> what what is what is liberty and how do we grow it? I my theory is is that um, liberty is a fruit, and we sow the seeds to grow that liberty with our words, and so loving loving liberty is the first step. Uh, and and one of the principles we outline is that uh, do you do we ask our our reader do you love your influence more than other people's liberty um, and the result uh, the result of loving my influence more than your liberty is I'll manipulate you I will see you as a product uh, as a prostitute maybe somebody that I'm using uh, to and, and you know Sam people don't like to be manipulated they don't like to be used um, they want to be treated uh, as humans with dignity and respect. And so speaking the language of liberty starts with our words. Um, and so uh, we, we, we outline this idea that loving people's liberty as much as our influence starts with our words. And so future-focused, leaving people hopeful, uh, giving them a vision, uh, positive, forward-thinking. Uh, our book includes a liberty index test to help people identify what their tendencies are in terms of oppression or chaos, um, to, 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 to help them become introspective with the words they sow into their daily conversations. If we want to grow liberty, Sam, we have to sow the right words uh, into, our, into our relationships and our family and our community, et cetera. Um, we also provide a series of exercises, uh, 20 plus exercises that uh, individuals can do uh, to help them learn to speak the language of liberty. Uh, here's a great illustration of speaking the language of liberty. So Thomas Jefferson um, in the Declaration of Independence says, we hold these truths to be self-evident. All men are created equal endowed by their creator with unalienable rights and and these types of his type of language he's sowing hold the on seeds hey skip the break cameron yeah. will you go ahead continue mark um yeah I, I, so um, thomas jefferson spoke the language of liberty in the declaration of independence uh through his committee on drafting it and uh, look look at the you know, the fight to maintain the meaning of those words in the 21st century, uh, we were bearing the fruit of, of that. We're bearing the fruit of those ideas in the 21st century. Uh, and if we don't maintain them, if we don't maintain the meaning of those words, we will lose uh, the liberty uh, that, that was contained in their meaning. So we have an obligation, I think, Sam, in the 21st century, or we have the opportunity, let me put it that way, 
we have the opportunity to maintain the meaning of the words in the Declaration of Independence during our lifetime. So speaking the language of liberty is uh, uh, very important, not just for the President of the United States or Thomas Jefferson, but for each one of us, for each one of us in our daily lives. Chris? You know what? I need to issue a mea culpa here, gentlemen. You're making me feel guilty. I had a conversation with a mutual friend of me and Sam's, Mark, the other day. Uh, I work for the Alpine School District, so I'm a teacher. I'm a licensed teacher. Oh, and I wow. Realized, okay. Yeah. Well, but, I mean, yeah, so I, in, I in a lot of ways you work for the, the man, fact. Chris, but we'll, but we'll let that go for right now. No, no, Alpine well, wait, School District is, is a it's a big deal. That's a that's such a that school district's had national national um, uh, recognition yeah. and and all kinds of things. So wow, huh. they they have and wow, that's interesting that you would recognize that, Mark. You're really on top of things. But I was informed. Now I I was uh, led to believe that about seven percent of uh, of uh, Utah school funds come from the federal government which is 7% wrong. Nevertheless, I was informed the other day, and this was a shock to me, Sam and Mark, that over 90% of the funds that our department, the adult education department receives is from the federal government. So I am part of the problem and I need to repent. I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't realize that until just, you know, I've been working for the Alpine School District for 15 years, and that's the first time that I was informed of that. So, so there you go, a case in point, right? Yeah, and right. this proves, and, and, Mark, a point that I want to make really quick, and then I want to have you rock and roll with this. This, though, proves that, you know what, most of us grew up in government schools. Most of us grew up as half communist and half socialist, working for the man, if you will, in many ways, without even realizing it. It's multi-generational. Most people don't. That's why I said some people work for the man with knowledge, and most don't. They don't really even realize. Most people are just coming to a great awakening right now, Mark, and your educational system is at the core of a lot of that awakening, sir. Well, we we're definitely we're trying to we're trying to empower people to understand how the system works, uh, so that you can again uh, use your words to speak liberty uh, back into the culture and make make changes. And so um, we we teach we teach people self governance. Um, uh, just a couple of tenets of our self governance training is govern yourself first before governing others. Um, super critical uh, to, to understand myself in relationship to your liberty. Uh, and then secondly, loving your liberty as much as uh, my influence. Uh, we all have influence. Our words have meaning. And, and depending on how we sow those words, we, we will bear – we can bear liberty, but we can also bear chaos and oppression uh, in the future. And then finally, this is this is the crux of what we teach at Center for Self-Governance is <clears throat> learning to think and speak of government as a system and never a person. <clears throat> that is such a critical self-governance habit um, because we tend to think of government as Joe Biden or Donald Trump. Um, and Sam, you were you were talking about God and and <clears throat> um, where our rights and uh, our, our authority comes from. Uh, it's it's a bad move for us to think and speak of government uh, as a as a person and not a system, uh, because it causes us to um, uh, it causes us to treat the person 
Um, and we end up treating that as a symptom and not the solution to the problem. And, and it's normally hidden in the system. Like, uh, and I'm sorry, I, I wanted to ask, what was the, the name of your, your, your co-host again? Sorry, Ken. No problem. Right? Chris is with me, sir. Chris, Chris, I apologize, Chris. Yes. Um, <clears throat> the Alpine no School District, um, <clears throat> they, you know, they had a teacher uh, there who was uh, teaching some, some strange things. And uh, there were students uh, from, from the Saratoga Springs area, from Center for Self-Governance, that <clears throat> immediately, because of our training, knew how to engage the school board members and the administration. And within, I think, was it, Chris, within 48 hours or 72 hours, that teacher was let go or put on administrative leave, and they were able to uh, correct that situation quickly. It's because those students understood the system and didn't take the teacher's you know, we, we tend to take things very personally and we become emotional. And that that emotion, oh, yeah. that emotion causes a very destructive um, uh, results, like like getting arrested, cited, trespassed, etc. Um, uh, anyway, so I just am in, in, impressed uh, that we can learn the system. <clears throat> we can learn the system. And we can troubleshoot it by thinking and speaking of it as a system and not a person. It takes the emotion out of it. It takes the um, it takes the person. Per, it takes it the person. It's personal, right? It takes that out of the equation, and it allows us to think strategically uh, about how the system works um, and how and how to um, how to how to how to make fixes and changes without it being destructive. And and. Gosh, I, and I would wish add, I had more Mark, time, but <laughs> and I would add, Mark, under the authority of the people, you know, the people, the sovereigns, and we've lost track of that. We we look at our legislators as being kings and queens, people who have authority to dominate us, and that's just not the case. But like you said, it's it's developed gradually over time to the point where we don't recognize how far we've gone down that soul-destroying road of socialism and dictatorial rule. So Amen, yeah, we, Amen we to that. That's as situation. real as it gets. That's as real as it gets because, again, yeah. you know, I know we joke about, you know, people are socialist and communist, and uh, a lot of it is a joke because people don't mean to be. You know, you take a Chris, the guy's as solid as a rock in terms of his desires and his hopes and, in a great measure, his understanding. But when we've been indoctrinated, uh, in my opinion, by the criminal mind for so long, it's very hard to unwind that. A great man named Ezra Tab Benson uh, once said, you know what, you got to unlearn all the stuff you've learned that are, that, that's wrong so that you can have a clean slate to learn what's correct and right. And this layer cake federalism versus marble cake federalism is a case in point to understand. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, layer cake federalism is dual federalism, the national and the state governments and their programs, services, authority, etc., operate separately. In marble cake federalism, it's cooperative federalism, ladies and gentlemen. There is a, quote, mixing of dollars, powers, resources, programs, etc., between and among the national, the state, and the local governments. That's a really important lesson for folks in fact, you guys even have educational flashcards on this stuff to help people make sure they remember the terms and get them straight, right, Mark? 
Yeah. Well, I mean, you just think of a cake, right? What kind of what kind of political cake do you want to eat the rest of your life uh, and, and have your kids participate in? You, you got two choices, layer cake and marble cake. Marble cake mixes the federal and the state government's functions together. Layer cake keeps them separate and distinct. You just have to make a choice for you and your family. What do you want in the 21st century? The hidden man who changed our world. He wants marble cake. He implemented his strategies. They're being carried out while we are getting cited, trespassed, and arrested, censored, canceled, even imprisoned, in some cases killed. It's really important uh, to take it seriously. Uh, I, would, I, would, I would highly recommend learn the hid, about the hidden man who changed your world, as well as make a choice. Which type of cake do you want for your kids in the future, layer cake or marble cake? And then work together with your community to bake you got to bake. you got to assemble the ingredients, gentlemen. you got to bake the right kind of cake in your community, and you do it with your words. That's the secret sauce. You do it with your words. Your words are so stinking powerful. Uh, it's just a matter of, of assembling your words in such a way that you can farm liberty in your community. Oh, that's why Liberty Roundtable Live exists, my general, our fellow Amen. Americans. That's why we exist. Now, I want to make one more point. One of the key ingredients that, again, is below kind of the layer of what you can see oftentimes is who do we look for guidance, authority, and protection? Do you look to God Almighty or do you look to government? That is the fundamental starting point. As you bake the cake, that might not be the scene ingredient, <laughs> but it certainly is the fundamental underlying ingredient, because the question becomes, who is the author of your cake, Mark? Who's, who, who, who assembles the, in the ingredients is one thing, but who made those ingredients is a completely different story. And honoring, honoring the source of, of the creator of those ingredients is giving you the power with your words to bake, to bake, like with your words, to grow, to farm, to sow, whatever, the ingredients for growing liberty in your community. It starts with the creator of those ingredients. <clears throat> Some of those ingredients include start with your words. And literally, I can't stress this enough, Sam and Chris, it is incredibly important that our culture does not, it learns, it has to train itself through self-governance to think and speak of government as a system and never a person, never assign personhood to government structure. Massive major mistake for, <clears throat> for our families. And the reason for that is because when it becomes a person in our mind, you end up as Israelis enslaved in Egypt under Pharaoh. Nothing new under the sun, Sam and Chris. There's nothing new under the sun. Well, the way I look at it, Mark, and I, I pose this question to people to illustrate the point that you have been making for these last 45 minutes. The question is, you have federal, you have the federal level of government, you have the state level of government, and then you have your local municipalities and county governments. And after making that statement, I, I asked them, what is the most important level of government? And they assume that I, it's one of those four that I mentioned. But in fact, the most important level of government, as you have been stating, Mark, is self-government. Because Amen. without self-government, it doesn't matter <laughs> how much government you have above you. I well, mean, and understand this, ladies is, and gentlemen. Understand this fundamental founding father-esque principle, which is this. If we were all self-governed, 
uh, and obeyed God's laws. I'm just talking about the two great commandments, love the Lord thy God and love thy neighbor as thyself, and then the Ten Commandments. So 12 rules. If we all obeyed those 12 rules, we wouldn't have hardly a need for government at all, except for a little bit of coordination, a little bit of um, uh, cooperation uh, amongst uh, organizational realities. Uh, That's the simple truth, Mark. Yeah, self-governance. I I can't stress uh, Chris's point enough. Self-governance is the starting point, governing yourself first before governing others. Super critical self-governance principle. You know, the Bible talks about denying yourself. Uh, what, is, what does that mean? Well, we, we created Center for Self-Governance as a journey to figure out what the self, self-governance means and how to do it. Um, one of the things we've discovered is you've got to govern yourself first before governing others. And when you feel the political pain, uh, when the school boards aren't listening to you or they're trying to your, – your child comes home and says they're a different gender now and you're like, what do I do? It starts with governing yourself first before governing others. Uh, and, of course, it expands from there. I'm going to give you grows. an interesting point for you to comment on right before the end of the hour. This point's critical. There's a man who lived in the 1800s named Joseph Smith, Jr., who led the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and uh, there was a lot of people, and they were moving all to these communities and everything, and uh, people were in awe about the order of the citizens and the behavior and the respect and the uh, peacefulness of the society. And they asked him, they said, hey, how do you get your people to do this kind of stuff? What, What rules do you put in place? He said, you know what? I teach them correct principles, and they govern themselves. Mark? Yes, and... I think that this is such a, a critical piece regarding self-governance <laughs> is uh, pr- the principles are the rules by which you govern your, your day-to-day lives. And the principles by which our system of government were designed were to, to prevent the human nature of those who control um, from oppressing you oppressing us and you can see through uh, through the LDS community's experience uh, through Missouri for example in Missouri up until the 70s I believe they had a law uh, on their books that you could shoot somebody from the LDS community on site that 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 came from not from our system of government from the people who manipulated that system because they were not governing themselves first before trying to govern others such an important self-governance principle. Mark, God bless you. We'll see you in a few days, my dear friend. Good work. We appreciate all that you do, and we're grateful for your leadership. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Chris. Thank you, Thanks, Mark. Sam. Look forward to seeing you guys in Salt Lake next week. Centerforselfgovernance.com is Mark's website. Mm-hmm. Incredible educational materials and more. Come to Red Pill, the redpillexpo.com. And watch Mark deliver his incredible speech, The Hidden Man Who Changed Your World. Without further ado, Hour 1 of the Can, Hour 2 coming up, Sam and Chris, God Save the Republic of the United States of America. Atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Talk Show. 
All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news the networks refuse to use, no doubt, continues now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for November the 5th in the year of our Lord, 2022. This is our two of two, and the goal always to protect life, liberty, and property, and to promote God, family, and country on your radio in the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, we use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law of the land, the Constitution of the United States of America as our guide. We're convinced the checks and balances brilliantly put in place by the founding fathers, one of the great peaceful solutions we have at our fingertips. We reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. David Morgan, our next guest, ladies and gentlemen, and he's a recognized analyst in the precious, precious metals industry. He consults for hedge funds, uh, high net worth investors, mining companies, depositories, uh, bullion dealers. <laughs> He's basically the publisher of an incredible report called the Morgan Report, a world-class publication designed to build and secure wealth. He is also the author of the Silver Manifesto and a featured speaker at investment conferences worldwide to learn more themorganreport.com uh, he's appeared on all the big radio tv networks and finally he hits liberty roundtable live welcome sir well thanks for having me you're very welcome now you are also considered a macro economist educating people about honest money tell people what a macro economist is because most people are familiar with just the average economist that just babbles and they don't make any sense, uh, but at the end of the day, they supposedly sound like they do, so you trust them. Uh, that's kind of one of the big lies, if we're going to highlight big lies. But what is a macroeconomist, sir? Well, first, I'll define an economist. Basically, an economist looks usually at just one set, meaning money in within the U.S. or something. So they usually do their economic studies an analysis on like the United States of America or what's Pakistan doing or what's South Africa doing or that type of thing. And it's purely based on their fictional equations, numbers in the Keynesian model, which is false. A macroeconomist factors in reality and geopolitics. So we look heavily at what is the geopolitical structure worldwide that influences the flow of money. And that's what a macroeconomist does. All right, there you have it. Let's talk about a constitutional currency, gold and silver, uh, the most stable intrinsic value representations of wealth, the constitutional legal medium of exchange. Uh, that was designed by our founding fathers for a reason. Uh, they realized that it was the only way to have real honest weights and measures compared to what they've changed us to, this fiat federal system uh, designed to betray us and turn over our wealth to the international banking cartel. Uh, what do you say to that? Is that spot on, or, or what do you say, David? Yeah, I say that's uh, very factual. It's a very big crime that's taken place, and the way it's accomplished, as probably everyone listening to this show knows or has a pretty good idea, is started off basically on a sound money principle. And then the Federal Reserve took over, and basically they were still issuing, you know, sound money at the time. And then uh, as things morphed more and more, they went into printing more money or more currency than there was gold. And in 1971, August 15th, Richard Nixon's bluff had been called 
primarily by Charles de Gaulle, France, and uh, the United Kingdom, saying, well, we'll take these pieces of paper that you say are as good as gold. Here's the paper. Give us the gold. And they were draining the gold stockpile of the United States. Nixon said he's temporarily closing the gold window. And then the race was on. And, of course, it instantaneously didn't change. In a way, it changed everything. And another way, it didn't because the next day no one really – saw any difference in their purchasing power or what they could do at the store, what their wages were or anything else, but it's insidious and inflation will destroy, uh, will destroy people. It will destroy society. It'll destroy a nation state. It'll destroy a community. It destroys everything. There's no way out. I say three words almost every time people that listen to me regularly probably get sick of hearing it, but all fiat fails. There has never been one exception to that fact. So, as a financial analyst and speaker, et cetera, you know, you're not allowed to say anything that is questionably accurate. So, so I can't guarantee stock A will double by next Tuesday. I'd be in trouble for saying that. But I could almost guarantee that the U.S. dollar is going to go to zero or so close to it that they need to implement a new monetary system. And, of course, that's what they're going to do. All right, let's ask this question. Are they going to basically pitch it as a jubilee? Hey, we're going to forgive your debts. We're going to make the world good for you. You're going to, are they going to, uh, you know, try to just appease us with, <laughs> um, you know, kind of campaign um, bling, so to speak, to try to get us there? Certainly, that's a possibility. I've given a great deal of thought. In fact, I wrote about it in the Morgan Report a few months back. It is interesting to watch that cycle about every 50 years. And, of course, that's what's in the Bible. Every 50 years, they had a jubilee, and they kind of reset everything. The reason for that, most people don't know, is compound interest. What you know, Buffett and others call the eighth wonder of the world is you can put a dollar in a bank, and uh, it could compound. Of course, interest rates are moving up. They're quite, we're quite low at zero for a while. The point being is if uh, for a thought, quick thought experiment, if God gave Jesus one cent on his birth, kind of compounded at 2% till now, it'd be the net worth of six planet Earths. So obviously you can compound that number to a very large number, but it has no meaning. It's like the uh, placards I'm going to show in my speech at Red Pill. I've got a gentleman holding up a cardboard sign that says, starving billionaire. So we get to the point where we hyperinflate the currency. So the idea is in the in the Bible is that you can only compound interest or get usury for so long, and then if you reset it, you could start over. And within those parameters, it you could say it works. But if you look at it from where, let's say, the Rothschilds were probably banking uh, at that time real money, I don't know what the interest rate was. We'll say two or three percent back in the 1700s. Just take out your calculator and figure out what that would be worth today. Chris, wow. <clears throat> So you're telling us, uh, David, that uh, when Nixon in 1971, August 15th to be exact, when he said, quote, the third indispensable element of the new prosperity is closely related to creating new jobs and halting inflation, um, decoupling the dollar from gold did not halt inflation? You're telling me a politician lied to me in, in 1971? How rare. I know. <laughs> because How rare. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I I rest my case with, with the, the facts of what we're experiencing today, yes. So. Yeah, just if I could interject real quickly, you know, I mean, I'm 
bullish both the metals, primarily silver, for a lot of variety of reasons. But uh, a lot of people are um, upset with silver's performance and gold as well in the last decade or so. And I could sympathize with that. But I want to remind everybody from a longer-term perspective, when I was a teenager and started driving, gas was roughly 25 cents a gallon. And that was, at that time, uh, we had just been off uh, the silver coins for a few years. So up until the time I was 11 years old, we still circulated 90% silver coins. So a few years after that, gas is about 25 cents a gallon. Today, a silver quarter turned into fiat will still buy a gallon of gas. It converts to about four bucks or so. So it has maintained its purchasing power. Now, silver has a propensity during hard times, especially inflationary times, to what I call overshoot, which means that it becomes much more valuable in the marketplace. So instead of buying a gallon of gas, you might buy the gas station. I'm joking, but you get the idea. You might buy a whole tank full of gas, for example. All right, I want to set well, David, the stage for I this. this. I want to set the stage for this discussion real quick, and then we'll come back to your question after the uh, pause here, uh, Chris. Uh, you know, it seems to me what's fascinating about these changes uh, in America is we have uh, switched a uh, hundred plus years ago in 1913 to the Federal Reserve System, where we turned over our constitutional, God-ordained, honest money mandate, and we have betrayed America by getting a banking cartel, a global banking cartel, in charge of fiat or fake money. They literally create a $100 bill, cost them about two and a half cents to produce it. They put it into circulation at 100 bucks or 20 bucks or whatever the denomination is, 50 bucks. Okay, that in and of itself is literal treasonous crime. Then on top of that, they charge the usury, the interest that we're talking about, uh, in which they, uh, in the olden days, in Christ's time, had to be uh, under a forced jubilee, uh, to reset so that it was sustainable. What we're on now is an unsustainable trajectory, and we could have backed ourselves out of it. But we've waited so long now, we're $30 trillion plus in debt. That's on the books and admitted to. But if you talk about the unfunded liabilities and the unfunded mandates, and the, you're well north of $200 trillion with a T dollars, ladies and gentlemen. You will never get out of this. There's only one or two ways out of this that I can see. <laughs> one is a global currency, not that I want one, <laughs> or two is flat-out war because tyrants will never let go of their power and control willingly. Uh, sadly, we've lost so much liberty, and, and, and you might be afraid to, to go here, David, but I'm going to say it anyway. The only way to bring liberty back, blood's the only way. Now, I don't like that. I'm not fond of that. I'm not pushing for that. But I'm telling you, tyrants never let go of power willingly. And we've gone too far down the road. Most are afraid to admit that reality. But I think that's the case. Because whether we pay back our debt or not, whether we acknowledge we owe it or not, whether we say it's legitimate or not, isn't the point they will force us to war if they don't get their way with us. When we come back, we'll talk about that, ladies and gentlemen. Also, Chris wanted to make a point. We'll get to that, too. Sorry to interrupt. David Morgan, ladies and gentlemen. TheMorganReport.com. He's speaking at Red Pill coming up. We'll tell you more about that as well on Liberty Roundtable Live. Why don't we say to the government writ large that they have to spend a little bit less? Anybody ever had less money this year than you had last? Anybody better have a 1% pay cut? You deal with it. That's what government needs, a 1% pay cut. If you take a 1% pay cut across the board, 
you have more than enough money to actually pay for the disaster relief. But nobody's going to do that because they're fiscally irresponsible. Who are they? Republicans. Who are they? Democrats. Who are they? Virtually the whole body is careless and reckless with your money. So the money will not be offset by cuts anywhere. The money will be added to the debt, and there will be a day of reckoning. What's the day of reckoning? The day of reckoning may well be the collapse of the stock market. The day of reckoning may be the collapse of the dollar. When it comes, I can't tell you exactly, but I can tell you it has happened repeatedly in history when countries ruin their currency. Why does the left lie constantly? Because it gets spiritual power from lying. The lies come from Satan, the father of lies. John 8:44. Here's how the political lying process works. Satan provides the beast with a lie. Then the more they use the lie, the more spiritual power they get. Look, the media is a lie multiplier, and this multiplication gives more evil spiritual power to the beast, and that can overwhelm and even deceive the body of Christ, especially when the body is being disobedient to the head. The churches today are incorporated, so they're subordinate to human government. They obey the beast and do nothing to restore our national relationship with God. And the government shall be on his shoulders, Isaiah 9, 6. That verse is not for the present day church. Rather, it is for the end time church, the body of the line of Judah, a message from Christ Kingdom Ministries. on your radio ladies and gentlemen we are with david morgan talking about finances talking about honest money talking about his speech coming up at the red pill expo the red pill expo.com for more um details and tickets you can get online tickets uh you can go in person and or you can do the virtual ticket it's up to you but david morgan will be one of the speakers themorganreport.com. So I mentioned that, hey, you know what? We've created this financial disaster, and we've allowed it to go on for so long, uh, and we've let the debt rise to such a degree we will never get out of it. It's not possible to pay it. Anybody who uh, claims that it is, I want to debate them on it. Because remember, you've only got one source for money, a monopoly, and when they put the first dollar into existence, they charged interest. Therefore, just make interest a penny, just for an example. If you borrow a dollar from the only source to get money and they want you to pay back a dollar one, where are you going to get the one? $2, two, $5, five. You know, where are you going to get the interest? Unless they create it for you, you don't even have it to give it, right? And they're the monopoly on money. They've created a system designed to enslave us, treasonously betray us, and there's no way out that I can see uh, except for war if we resist and or a global currency. David, your thoughts on that reality? Okay, uh, tough one. First of all, history certainly proves your statement. Uh, I'd like to believe that there is an alternative. I just did an interview with a gentleman, uh, Michael Tellinger, on my Mastermind series, and that's a paid service. Although I think I'm going to uh, get permission from my uh, my group to put it out in the public uh, in about a month's time. And uh, he's got solutions called One Small Town. You can look it up. I don't want to divert the conversation too much. I just want to say I'm for 
you know, a Gandhi type of method is one available. I'm not sure this gentleman outlined one that made sense to me. But in order to get it accomplished, you've got to motivate people. And that's really hard. Most people are taught to respect authority. Many are, and I'll say this, this is controversial, mind-controlled. The television set is used to program people. Uh, my dear mother is a perfect example. And so we have a situation where it will be very difficult. I certainly wouldn't rule out what you said. And what you said is probably the most likely, although, again, that being the optimist slash uh, nonconformist I've been my whole life, I'd like to think that there is a possibility of an alternative. All right, Chris, now it's time to jump in, buddy. Yeah, perfect segue. So my alternative, Sam and David, would be for Congress to repeal the Federal Reserve Act of 1913, reassume authority constitutionally over our monetary system, declare that our monetary, our, our dollars are backed by gold and silver, if that be the case, and say they are debt-free. Could they not do that conceivably, David and Sam? Yeah, let me get in there because you're hitting a really good point and a hot spot with me. So I've been, you know, in this thing since basically since I was an 11-year-old kid, but that's another story. So I've studied this my whole life. In 1980, gold went to $850 an ounce. However, if you took the M1, and what people don't understand about money is a lot of things. But one of the things is, well, you would have to have this much gold to cover all the debts outstanding. Well, a lot of those debts are what they're worth, worthless. So money in and as itself, a gold coin or a bimetallic standard is what's called base money. So that's M0, very close to M1. I'm not trying to talk over anyone's head. I'm trying to just set the scene. And I, and I have to explain the variables here. So in 1980, gold went to 850 an ounce. Base money would have been covered 100% by gold if at $400 an ounce. So we had more than doubled the paper price of gold to go completely back on a gold standard. But, of course, no one in, you know, none of the Congress critters or the others in the government that were either awake enough or aware enough or thought enough to, to at least propose that. So, so that very important point I'm making is to show you that it could have been done roughly 10 years after the temporary close of the gold window. So, yes, it's possible. The whole thing is to do it correctly. You've got to price gold with where the current debt structure is, or I should say the base money level needs to be. And there's lots of arguments, but if you want to find the paper price of gold, you take the amount of, of base money divided by the amount of gold that the Treasury says it has, which is 265 million ounces, and you'll find out gold's roughly – 12,000 an ounce right now. But if you did it, pegged it, and made it stick, and you didn't get any human interference, yeah, you could absolutely do that. I, I, would, I would submit that that's probably one of the better ways to do it. My concern is being a student of monetary history is that every time it's done, it morphs into what happened with Nixon, and it wasn't Nixon's fault. I'm not a defender of Nixon. But regardless, Human human equation enters in there, and they well, we'll just borrow a little bit more than we have gold available, blah 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 blah, and then we get to where we're at now. Chris, yeah, I agree one hundred percent. It would be a piece of cake, but we just there's no political will because people are controlled 
not by uh, the votes of the people, but by the monetary flow of the Federal Reserve System. So it, it wouldn't happen. It would never happen. It, there would have to, like Sam said, there would have to be a war to overthrow the monetary powers that be today before that would ever be politically conceivable. All right, this is important Sam? to understand that I, I don't want to get on the big debate whether it's going to be war that gets us out of it or if there's a peaceful way forward, one small town, certainly um, a lot of people say is a viable alternative. Uh, you know, I wish it were true, but I'm convinced that we're on a collision path, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, you know, in the uh, Bible, it talked about a war in heaven and Satan and his dragons and angels or whatever you want to say were kicked out of heaven. There's been a battle going on ever since. and The real battle is between Christ and Satan. We're in the middle. And Christ would have us all prosperous on an honest money, intrinsic value, honest weights and measures system. That, uh, you know what, everything had value. And the medium of exchange uh, did not pervert and or destroy value. It merely exchanged value for value. An asset-based system of prosperity, stability, trust. Uh, Okay, Satan wants the opposite. He wants slaves. So freedom or slavery is another way to say, hey, you're in the middle, and that's the battle going on. And I wish they would leave us alone to pursue liberty. Uh, But my experience uh, through the history of the world is they will never let go. And as a result, that's why I say the trouble is coming. The good news is the Savior is coming uh, as well, David. Absolutely. It is truly a spiritual battle. And it is good versus evil, and the evil doers at the top. But just to revivify what you said, basically, unfortunately, most people can be bought, and the money powers know that. Bought political class, they bought the merchant class, they bought everybody basically. And the way the real world works is from the banking system on down, and we the people have been suppressed for a long, long time. And don't forget Um, the media. The purchase of the media allows them to perpetuate the false message that we have to continue on the same system that we've been suffering from and losing money from these last 108 and a half years. So the media plays a a critical role in the Great Deception as well. You can't forget that. Absolutely. Thank you for that. I agree with that. Now, I will say this, though. Uh, Set aside the pending (laughs) uh, savior coming. And the pending doom that we seem to face, if you look at a God's view, we know we win. Uh, If you look at a man's view, you know what? We're in trouble and it's going to be rough. But set that aside for a second, ladies and gentlemen, because what David Morgan focuses on most with themorganreport.com and with his incredible training, etc., you can have a second chance, ladies and gentlemen. What would you do if you had a second chance is the question on his website. The book secondchance.com, and then he also has the silver manifesto, the silvermanifesto.com. But what would you do with a second chance? And what David focuses on is what you, as an individual, and your family can do, uh, in spite of it all, as we wait for the Savior's return. You don't have to just sit back and go, Oh man, all is lost. Trust in God, He'll take care of it. There's things that you can do, ways that you can be involved, solutions that you can implement, David. Absolutely. Thanks for that. Yeah. You know, one of the, uh, let's say, talking points amongst uh, Christians is, you know, you're going to throw your gold and silver in the street, you know, so therefore don't buy gold or silver now. 
I have talked to many theologians to get their opinion on that, and, and mine it goes along with the majority that I've interviewed, and that is it proves that we're using it until Christ's return. Hell, I'm throwing mine in the street, but until that time, <laughs> we're probably going to need to use it, especially if we opt out of the beast system. So I'm a proponent for God's money up until God's return. I think that makes the most sense. Hang tight, ladies and gentlemen. David Morgan with us. TheMorganReport.com. Sam, Chris, and David will continue in seconds. Remember, David will be speaking at Red Pill Expo coming up next weekend in Salt Lake City. TheRedPillExpo.com for more. This is the one and only Liberty Roundtable Live. Your daily Liberty Newswire. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News. At least one person is dead in Oklahoma where significant storm damage was reported. That's according to the county emergency manager. Nine twisters formed in Texas, four in Arkansas, and one in Oklahoma. A preliminary count by the National Weather Service's Storms Prediction Center shows the total number will likely increase and the intensity of each one will not be known for several days. The FBI has located the individual behind a threat to attack synagogues in New Jersey. FBI agents spoke to the person who has not been identified and said he holds, quote, radical extremist views, end quote, but no longer poses a threat to the community. Police believe he was acting alone, but are still investigating the case. There might be a diesel fuel shortage in the near future. Major fuel companies are sounding the alarm of an upcoming diesel fuel shortage that could soon impact your wallet. The United States is down to a 20 to 25 day supply of diesel fuel. Typically, that number is closer to 35 or 40. Rick Todd is the president and CEO of SC Trucking Association. There's no way any company can absorb cost increases like this, and any business uh, that can't pass on their costs isn't going to stay in business for very long. From the USA Radio News Phoenix Bureau, I'm Tim Berg. The Russian headquarters in Melitopol in southern Ukraine were attacked and destroyed. That's according to the city's mayor. Melitopol has been occupied by Russian forces since the early days of the invasion. This is USA Radio News. Paid for by government.com. The 1878 to 1921 Morgan Silver Dollar, a true American classic and one of the most iconic silver dollar coins in history. It's been 100 years since the last Morgan Silver Dollar coin was struck for circulation. And now, for a limited time only, full pound bags of original U.S. government struck Morgan dollars are being released to the public. That's right. You can own a full pound of 1878 to 1921 classic American Morgan Silver Dollar coins, all in very good collector condition with fully visible dates and mint marks. 
guaranteed. Call 1-800-473-1745 now to secure collector-grade U.S. Morgan Silver Dollars by the pound, struck during the Wild West and the Gilded Age. Plus, receive a bonus American Collector's Pack, valued at over $25, free with every order. Call 1-800-473-1745 now to secure your full pound bag of Morgan Silver Dollar coins before they are gone. 1-800-473-1745. That's 1-800-473-1745. Right before the pause, ladies and gentlemen, David Morgan was talking about honest money. And you know what? We can use honest money. From a family and an individual point of view, we can return to constitutional currency. Uh, But people misunderstand gold and silver, ladies and gentlemen. You want to believe that gold and silver as money should follow this dishonest approach, which is this. Every day your money's worth more. Every day your house is worth more. Every day you're supposed to, you know what, you're supposed to just prosper by growth. But that's a lie. Okay, that's what inflation is the evil companion, the hidden companion thereof. If you talk about honest money, it's a medium of exchange. It doesn't, it's a medium of exchange. It doesn't increase wealth, work, other things that provide value increase wealth. Money is the exchange to accomplish uh, the transfer of appropriate value for value or wealth and so this idea that i'm going to buy gold and silver and i'm going to get rich is bogus gold and silver rarely change yes they ebb and flow and fluctuate like anything does uh, but it's your dollar that goes up and down psychotically against the constitutional currency that's why it can be up on the ruble and down on the dollar at the same time how can that be if silver moves the answer is that's the lie gold and silver is not supposed to get you wealthy Work, prosperity, wisdom, wise <clears throat> wise management of your assets uh, is what provides steady, long-term growth and wealth. And the reason that I'm bringing this up, ladies and gentlemen, is because if you take an ounce of gold, you could buy 300 loaves of bread in Moses' time, Jesus' time, and now. You could buy a fine, man-made, hand-tailored, fine suit then and now. It hasn't really changed. What's changed is the dishonest inflationary fake currency against that reality, deceiving you into believing that somehow if you buy a piece of silver, you're going to be rich tomorrow. Well, it's a lie. That's the stock market mentality. It's not reality from a constitutional value-based currency or an honest weights and measures biblical currency, David. Yeah, well said. I mean, you know, my moniker is to preserve and build wealth. And gold and silver are... Uh, examples of what you said for a quick example last 50 years the base money supply has gone up 50 fold and the price of gold and paper terms have gone up 50 fold so it's basically stayed the same uh, as far as purchasing power so let's take another real quick thought experiment if you had a very rich uncle in 1913 and it gave you a million dollars it would be worth a million dollars today which would be far less than what it would have bought in 1913 but if you took that million dollars in gold you would have 20 dollars gold pieces and gold's roughly 1800 so you would have 90 million dollars in round numbers what's a bigger number 90 million or 1 million so you get the point you're making uh it there i do i'll make one exception there's a caveat to it 
And in times of runaway inflation, you can actually see gold and silver get overvalued. As I mentioned earlier before the break, gold was at 850, which is actually two times the base money supply. So in terms of going back in a gold standard, it was overvalued if you want to consider it in those terms. Also, silver went up from $7 or $6 to 50 in one year. So we had an 800% increase in one year. That's kind of like a Bitcoin move. So that could take place, but that's a subset of the overall picture, which you painted accurately, generally speaking, in a preserved Yeah, and that's why I said it ebbs and flows. There's glitches, there's blips, there's reality for a lot of things. But in general, the point that I'm making, people need to understand, it's not gold and silver that goes up and down. It's your fake money against it. And that's why it goes up in one currency and down in another at the same time. Uh, Chris? Sure. Yeah, so so uh, my wife and I, we, we made a purchase, an investment of silver about a year ago. And today, if we were to buy that same amount of silver, we would pay roughly the same price. So it, it hasn't increased with the level of inflation. Why is that? What's, what's suppressing it and what mechanisms are they using to suppress it? Well, there's a couple things David? going on. First of all, the silver market is a derivatives market. If you look at, you know, the silver market is based on commercial bars, which are roughly poured bars that are approximately 1,000 ounces of 999 silver. They come from different refineries, the exchange, the commodities exchange. They approve certain refineries, which there's like eight or nine of them. And that amount of silver sits in warehouses or vaults and that's a backup to this massive paper push that takes place in all commodities, but none are more distorted than the silver market. So if you think about supply and demand, if you could eat an infinite supply of pieces of paper that promise to pay silver, but don't have the silver to back it up, just like what happened in, you know, before 1971 with the amount of uh, paper saying that it was backed by gold and it wasn't, same principle applies here. So you have an infinite supply of silver. What do you think the price is going to be? Zero. I mean, if you've got so much silver that you have to, you know, go down your street to your local store and dodge all the silver ingots in the road, it's not going to be very valuable. But that's based on a derivative, not reality. So there's a huge discrepancy between the price of silver on the paper exchanges and the price you pay at your local dealer. And that's getting to be a larger and larger spread. Even the wholesalers. And David, all it would take is for the people to demand possession of their silver to call a halt to the con game. That's all it would take. I've said for years that if we went hypothetically to the the Rose Bowl in Pasadena or any outs anywhere. I'm just doing a thought experiment again. And we took at the 50-yard line and made a nice red mark down the whole thing. And on one side, we put all the physical silver in the world on there. And on the other side, we put all the paper claims on silver. There'd be a huge mismatch. Yeah. So they so make the they, make, they use the paper Bowl. to play the games. <laughs> For the Rose Bowl. It's basically fiat silver on paper trading uh, that's part of the problem that keeps it down. The other problem is the plunge protection team, uh, which is well known to manipulate the markets as well. Whenever people start to force reality on the markets, the plunge protection team comes in and manipulates it even further, David. Right. I, I made this speech a while back, and a few people picked up on it. I'm not saying I originated it, but, you know, we get this argument, well, it's not manipulated. They, 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 you know, and this is nonsense. But what I said during the speech was that 
money is a commodity like potatoes. I mean, especially if you're looking at honest money. I mean, gold and silver elements given by God and, and voted by the people to be money for ages. But aside that point, money is a commodity like potatoes, and we need to be able to determine what the price of money is, which means interest rates determined by a free market mechanism. So my point is, if you, the bankers, can control the price of money, you control everything because everything is based upon the money supply and how valuable it is. And since the- and, that, and David, that's why I started out saying money is when you got a monopoly and they charge interest yeah. and that's the only place you can get money. You can never mathematically right. pay it back. I'll debate any economist anywhere on that fact. Yeah, now we yeah, even the dummy like I can figure that out. Yeah, no, it's a very right. valid point. It's the truth, and a lot of people don't even consider it, but it is one of the base elements to get back onto a system that works for everyone. All right, Chris. Um, David, can you tell us if if there's any gold in Fort Knox, and if so, how much, and if it's been audited? I mean, that's the people's money, right? We, we should hold our government accountable for how much is there, if any. I mean, has it ever been audited there at Fort Knox? Yes. The last real audit, I'll call it, was in the 1950s. I forget which year, but early 1950s. I'm not sure, but I've looked into it to the best of my ability. And there's a gentleman called Bill Still, Bill, B-I-L-L, Still, S-T-I-L-L. And he's done the money documentaries. And one of them is yeah. uh, The Secrets of the Wizard of Oz. And in that, one of my favorites, he talks about uh, the Eastern bankers. The Wizard of Oz is a metaphor for the Eastern bankers putting us on the gold-only standard, which is not in our best interest. The money functions best when you have gold and silver or even a trimetallic silver gold and copper standards and let me quickly quickly highlight why that is because gold is in short supply ladies and gentlemen worldwide uh, and if you have gold and silver what you want is kind of a, a a relationship between the two which represents enough metal to matter first of all secondly though when you um appropriate the weights and measures between the two uh, now you're stopping the run of a singular commodity and so the combination throughout history has proven to be the most intrinsic valued based system. It holds its value more consistently than any other commodities you can find. And that's why the two work so well together. Uh, David, your thoughts? Yeah, no, you said it probably as well as I could. The idea of course, being that if you get to a, a mono metallic standard gold only, which the bankers had all the gold, they didn't really have that much silver stored in their vaults. Uh, then you get control, and there's a good good series of papers written. Hey, about Cameron, going. skip the break. All right, go ahead, David. So the idea is that when you go on a gold-only standard, it's one step <clears> to fiat fiasco, and that's been proven over and over again. So the bankers knew what they were doing when they went to gold-only. They want control. Money is power. And, and remember one and thing, power folks. Elite. Yeah. The goal was go to prevent monopoly or central control. Okay, we wanted central control in terms of the weights and measures to create a standard. But what we wanted was people to be able to go out and get silver, go out and get gold. We wanted money to come from hard work, from intrinsic value, from the earth, depending on God Almighty, like the rain and the soil. Okay, and so they didn't want this singular monopoly. So gold and silver was designed to where 
you know what, pretty much a lot of people could get it and insert it into the economy without depending on a single source or a government that will use it to force power, David. Exactly. The, the, the system was founded on a silver standard. I mean, the, if you look at the uh, 1792 Act, it talks about, you know, the United States of America is on a silver standard. And, of course, again, that got morphed with the crime of 1873 when the banking monopoly decided to tell everybody that silver wasn't money. And then, of course, that's part of the story of the Wizard of Oz. It's also William Jennings Bryant that said, you know, silver is the money of the people. He's a Democrat. He said, I want uh, not <laughs> for either party. I'm not. But regardless, he put up a stance that said, look, this is the people's money. You can't, you know, crucify me on a cross of gold. He knew, or at least his um, subset knew, that going to gold only standard would mean death to the to the West or to the to the silver standard, and it did. And, of course, it's gone downhill ever since. All right. There's three books I want to kind of refer to really quick, and then I want to turn it back over to Chris. Ladies and gentlemen, we're talking to David Morgan, themorganreport.com, who will be speaking at the Red Pill Expo, theredpillexpo.com, to learn more, to get tickets. It'll be next week and in Salt Lake City, Utah, theredpillexpo.com. Uh, but the three books, one of them is by uh, the founder of the Red Pill Expo, uh, and the book is called The Creature from Jekyll Island, ladies and gentlemen. Incredible book, The Creature from Jekyll Island. The other book is from Ron Paul about money. You can find it. The third book, though, is called Pieces of Eight. I think it's by Edward Vieira, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, anyway, you can get really caught up on honest money and on the comparative systems that we've had uh, in America and worldwide and historical, etc. It's really fascinating to understand. Uh, and the only systems that have stability uh, year in and year out are the ones that are on constitutional currencies, gold and silver, uh, where, you know what, silver is the primary function for the average Joe, right? Uh, but yet you have gold in there because it provides uh, a stability factor between the two. Um, there's a statement that I want to make, and then we'll turn it over to Chris for the next question. But understand this, folks. Norm Franz said this. Gold is the money of kings. Silver is the money of gentlemen. Barter is the money of peasants. But debt is the money of slaves, ladies and gentlemen. With that, we'll turn it over to you, Chris. Ain't that the truth, Sam? Unfortunately, that is becoming more and more reality in our nation and throughout the world because the international bankers control every central bank in the world except three. There are three countries that have not yet succumbed uh, to that type of a fraud. But going back to what David said about uh, Bill Still, you know, Bill Still does, uh, is not in favor of a gold-backed currency system because it can be manipulated. Gold, the gold market can be cornered. I'm in favor of backing gold up with uh, any commodity. In fact, the more the merrier. I, I don't know how you feel about that. You could back it up with grain, for example, or soybeans, something that's relatively stable as far as its supply in the economy. Anything is better than what we have today because what we have today is completely and totally unaccountable to not only the people, but to the politicians and to the very president. Nobody, can, nobody has oversight over the Federal Reserve System except the, the, the members, not even the members of the board, I don't think. I think um, even, even the chairman of the Federal Reserve System doesn't have as much control as we would like to think. And he's uh, appointed by the president of the United States. 
But Benjamin Franklin, for example, was in favor of a fiat money system. I don't know if you know that, David and Sam. And it can be administered effectively if it is administered by honest and uh, and just people. The problem is 99.9% of the time it is not. It, it gets out of control. And people use it as their own little penny, ba- penny bank to uh, finance their own little hobby horses. And with no oversight, especially, you're going to have a runaway system just like we have today. But well, anything, and, and you're right. You know, and, is, and really quick, just to make the point, we don't need government if everybody's honest and wise and self-governing. Uh, you know what? We don't need money if mm-hmm. everyone would follow the principles of the turning small towns into places of prosperity and abundance. One small org for more details on that. Again, the problem is the wicked people in the world backed by Satan beyond human nature, though, those who are not, you know, human nature is where a fallen people, but uh, those, there are people who are on a quest for control and tyranny. Um, they're psychopaths. Some would say, mm-hmm. or they're whatever. Okay. Because of that, um, you know what? You can't just use any commodity or you can't use this and that. Gold and silver is different than other commodities in its intrinsic value nature. Uh, and, and an example of that would be, hey, um, around the world, you'd have to have different commodities. Certain crops grow in certain places and don't in others. And gold and silver is the only ubiquitous uh, choices that provide stability. That's why historically it's been used over and over in successful societies. And when they leave it or pervert it or whatever, hey, it's curtains for that society, David. Yes, agree. Just a side note, uh, Bill Still, I've met him personally. He was uh, with me and many others when the governor of Utah signed into law that you can use gold and silver in any transaction in that state as long as both parties agree. I want to make another point that uh, silver and gold are still uh, lawfully money, but economically it's absurd. Let me explain. By law, you could go into Walmart with silver eagles, so one ounce government-minted silver, and they are stamped at $1. And you could go into Walmart, and I don't know what you could buy for a dollar anymore, but let's say you make a purchase for $10 and put down 10 ounces of silver, and there's not a darn thing that the counter person could do about it. Now, they wouldn't understand it. They'd freak them out. They'd probably get the manager. But legally, they would have to accept it. But, of course, what would you be doing? You'd be paying, you know, 20 times the price in fiat than what it is. That's why it's not economic. But it is legal. You can actually pay legally for anything. But who's going to do it? I mean, it'd be stupid. But I want to make that point because people say that. If you want to do it, uh, make sure I'm on the other end of the transactions. Please, ladies and gentlemen, I'll do it all (laughs) day long. (laughs) That's right. Exactly. But, but I think it's important because people say that, you know, it's not money and blah, 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 blah. I don't want to belabor the point too much, but I do want to make that point. Yeah, and I do agree with Chris, though, that any commodities-backed system is better than nothing. Right now we've got a petro-backed currency. They call it the petrodollar. It's backed by oil and forcing the world to go on this oil exchange program with the U.S. dollar being center stage. But that's going away, and they're trying to move us into a global system of fiat currency. They want to take it digital, David. Absolutely. That's been what uh, I've been focusing on in the Morgan Report for quite some time. It's obvious what they want. Now, remember, just because they want this does not necessarily mean it'll take place. There will be resistance, and whether or not it works or doesn't remains to be determined. 
but they're looking for a cashless society on a global basis, modern money theory where you can print in the digital computer as much as required and you are forced to use it. And again, one of the most important points about honest money is freedom. And they take away all freedom with this money. So you could be in theory rich in the digital system and yet poor from the aspect of what you're allowed to do. Let me explain. They're going to use what's called a social credit score. They're going to probably rename it for the Western Hemisphere. But what it means is unless you comply with Big Brother, your funds are under their control all the time. And they will witness everything that you buy. Every, every transaction, even a garage sale, will be monitored. So we are in a system of the beast system. We're moving there rapidly. And there's 92 nations on the planet right now looking into cryptocurrencies. Government. Well, government. Well, cryptocurrencies. Government monopoly control digital currencies, ladies and gentlemen. Crypto dictator style is what I would call it, ladies and gentlemen. It's all part of the Great Reset, Chris. Well, I would be slightly more in favor of that if it were, in fact, on the blockchain. But who's going to monitor whether or not they're complying with that uh, blockchain constraint? I don't think uh, anybody but the bankers themselves will have oversight over such a system. So there will be no accountability. And in fact, it will be similar to the system we have now because 90% of our money, and David, you can confirm this or not, is in fact electronic. I know that I use my credit card 95 to almost 100% of the time. Isn't that electronic money? And wouldn't that be similar to uh, a Bitcoin type of uh, monetary system anyway? How would yeah, that no, be well said. I mean, we're we're very close to, to making that last step into the new system. As you said, I mean, I, uh, you're on a digital system primarily. But there's one further step, and that's to eliminate all cash because cash is a silent transaction. I can go to a garage sale and buy something with a $100 bill, and no one's really wise to that. The bankers hate that. So in an all-digital system, an elimination of the cash then they have complete control and they can monitor everything. And again, I'm going to take issue with the blockchain. Sorry, go ahead, David. So, no, go ahead. I'm done. I was just going to say, my my problem is I'm not confident. I'm an IT guy for a living, um, just so you understand, in addition to radio that I do, David. I'm an IT guy and and a pretty decent one. And I'm telling you right now, everybody believes the blockchain is transparent and clear and easy to understand and absolutely, you know, um, open source kind of operating system blockchain everybody can see it and look folks the blockchain gets trashed and hacked and manipulated and uh, all the time if you believe the blockchain is your savior for transparency you are sadly mistaken my fellow americans remember the person that developed this blockchain technology and some of these digital currencies in the first place no one even knows who they are they got fake names you don't even know who these people are okay don't believe for one second that they don't have some way to manipulate it backdoor, et cetera, et cetera, or it would not be out there. And don't forget that the government wanted these currencies to flourish in the name of freedom so that everybody would eventually be like, oh, man, yeah, we got to have stability in the markets for the digital currencies. Let's rein it in and stabilize it, but it's still good and safe, and it's nothing more than conditioning the people to go for it. So I'm not fond of these blockchain technologies. I think they're a deception, David. Yeah, well, that's great. Thanks for the segue. Uh, if you go to my website, I do a lot for free, a lot. And if you go to themorganreport.com and go to the blog tab, pull it down and look at the crypto conspiracy. I've done 25 interviews on the crypto conspiracy, and we dive really deep 
into what's really going on with the crypto conspiracy world. And I said conspiracy because I didn't want the blowback. I'll just call it a conspiracy, but it's fact after fact after fact. Can't be proven, but it's pretty clear that the NSA may have had something to do with the initiation of Bitcoin. And believe me, the whole system, in my opinion, and it's a very studied one, was designed to get people used to this and then moving it into the central bank digital system we just discussed. And what's so interesting to me, looking backwards, is that the libertarians were the first to adopt Bitcoin. Oh, it's government free. It's decentralized. By the way, betrayal money. libertarians, though, that are involved <laughs> in the conspiracy to their eyeballs, though, and that is the quintessential point. Sure. Yeah. And what happens when the electricity goes down? You can still use cash, but are you going to be able to use your cryptocurrency? So that's something to consider. What What if the uh, the I'm going to use my green down? thumb and my ability to negotiate very well, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> well, really, the best systems are anti-fragile, easily understood, and work under all conditions. And that's a gold and silver coin. You know, even paper money can be burned, you know, and I'm not against making a receipt. I mean, if I gave my sister a loan in gold or something, I'd take a piece of paper, write it down. You owe me this much in a year or whatever, but you get my point. But we're making it more and more complex, which is more and more fragile. The higher the complexity, the more ability for uh, problems exist. And yet that's the direction we're being pushed, as we all know. Yeah, and ladies and gentlemen, if we're going across country because we have to flee for our safety, uh, while Chris is on his commodities and trying to haul his 50,000 pounds of wheat, I got my little couple <laughs> of gold coins right there in my pocket, and I'm just going to roll, baby. So all I'm telling you is portability is one of the biggest keys people don't recognize or realize as well. you got to have all these intrinsic value factors that make constitutional currency and or gold uh, and silver. And I'm more of a silver man than a gold man. I'm like David. Uh, but all I'm telling you is that trend, intrinsic value has all those properties built in. And oftentimes when people discuss other commodities, they fail to understand the portability aspect, the longevity aspect. Your silver coin doesn't rot. It doesn't get too old to eat or use or whatever else, et cetera. It doesn't get weevils in it. It doesn't. I mean, I can keep going. Uh, but you get the point. David Mark Morgan with us, ladies and gentlemen. He will be speaking at Red Pill Expo coming up next week. TheRedPillExpo.com to get your tickets now. TheMorganReport.com to learn more about David's incredible work, film, book. Oh, I'm just telling you. most A lot of it's free. Some of it's paid. But incredible stuff. TheMorganReport.com. God bless you, David. Thanks so much for your incredible work, sir. Well, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. You got it, sir. For Chris Carlson, finish us up, sir. Yes, sir. Without God, we cannot win. With God, we cannot lose. The battle for freedom is the Lord's, but we need to be engaged in the fight. Lieutenant Carlson and liberty-loving patriots everywhere. Continuing our duty, sir. LibertyRoundtable.com, LovingLiberty.net. We declare this nation shall endure. God save the Republic of the United States of America.